0: Lord, we pray that you bless now the reading of your holy word. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. Hear now the word of God. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then turn the page in chapter 41, verse 8. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then turning to our text this morning in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, become strong in the Lord and in the power or sovereignty of his might. Put on the whole armor of God in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The grass withers, the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this third section of the, uh, of, uh, the book, the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, Now we are called to stand, 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 and stand. And so we pray that you would enable us to do so. We know that we are at war and that there are many forces arrayed against us far more powerful, smarter, uh, uh, been fighting for so long. We are novices in this war. And yet greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so we pray that you would enable us to hear these words, these commands, and that in hearing them, you also give us the ability to do what you command, as uh, Augustine prayed. So we ask that you would uh, command what you will and give us the ability to do what you command. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, is it is are we living in a time of war is there warfare going on in our culture today if you don't agree with me i hate you is that a good way to describe you must agree with me or you're my enemy is that in our culture today my way or the highway Is there wars going on in our world? We think of uh, Ukraine, we think of in Palestine, or in Gaza, there's other places in Africa and and so on, or threats of war. There's wars around. Uh, During World War II, were we ready when we were attacked? No. We almost, when uh, at Pearl Harbor, by the grace of God, our aircraft carriers were not in that's where the Japanese wanted to sink our air crooked. They just happened not to be there. Sank our battleships, but it became an air war in the Pacific. Preparation. Here we have this call to arms. It is almost as if Paul, the apostle, is blowing the trumpet. In Israel, in the, old, in the days of uh, Moses, uh, they were trained that they listened for the call of the... Trumpet, if they were being attacked. And the trumpet would tell them where, east, west, north, or south, the attack was coming. And so the priest would blow the trumpet and warn, enemy is attacking. Well, in a sense, that's what this text is here. It is Paul blowing that trumpet, saying, Beware, be ready. Prepare. Be strong. Beware. Take up. Put on. And stand. So that is the message this morning, and the message that we'll be hearing for the as we work through this passage. Uh, This is a time to beware. Uh, My wife and I, we were talking about this passage, and and all both of us, it hit us at the same time. Uh does God give homework? Yes, God gives homework. Thank you. God gives homework. Okay? Is there going to be attacks that you are you going to experience spiritual warfare? If you don't even know it now, or if you realize that you have been, there'll be homework. I mean, here I'm trying to encourage you to come back next week and all. But beware, be aware, we're under attack. You're under attack. The devil is here, attacking right now, wanting you to be distracted. Don't listen to what pastor has to say. Go focus on whatever it is you were doing this week uh, or whatever. No, 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 you're under attack right now. You understand that. Dan, wasn't that one of the things you said after you became an elder is, wow, I didn't know all the spiritual warfare, because you're a target. Welcome, Jeremy. Uh, I forgot to tell you about that. So I, I have it written in the bulletin, main point. In this passage before us, the Apostle Paul sounds the alarm that we are in the midst of war. We face many adversaries. Do you know what the name Satan means? The name Satan is adversary. We face many Satans, many adversaries, including those whom we cannot see and are far smarter and stronger than we ever can imagine. It is critical for our survival that we develop an awareness of and constantly prepare for battle. You Understand this. This is a call to arms. Beware, there's no demilitarized zone. There's no Switzerland in this war. The context is grace. Remember, we've said this book is a letter of grace, seated with Christ. Isn't that what we said the first half of the book is? My position in Christ establishes me to be aware of what's going around. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ, and yet my feet are on the ground here on earth, And so I'm called to walk with Jesus, who's seated in heavenly places, but yet promises to be with me wherever I go. And so we've been looking in chapters four and five at walking and even six about walking with Jesus here on earth. And I love what the scripture says that he is the captain of our salvation. Ever thought about Jesus as your captain? Captain of our salvation. He's the one who's gone before. He's defeated the enemy. We are in the mopping up operation. Now, well, it's pretty messy. Can you think about the war in the Pacific and how they went, the U.S. was conquering various islands. But to conquer the island, there was a mopping up operation. and Many, many Marines died. We're at war. He is the captain of our salvation, and he calls us to stand with him. In the warfare started in the Garden of Eden. Started there after the fall. God started a war. And that war continues until Christ returns. So first point, prepare. Be aware. War is unavoidable. Again, God started the war. We are called to overcome the adversary, Satan and his seed. Way back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, after Adam and Eve sinned and, uh, and aligned with Satan, God confronted Adam and Eve and said, what have you done to the woman? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall uh, go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put warfare, enmity, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, He shall crush your head, you shall bruise his heel. War began there at that moment, and it hasn't ended. Now, there is a war that continues, a war between the seeds. And so Paul writes, Finally, my, my beloved brethren, my brethren, become strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power or sovereignty of his might. And again, we read this morning, what did Joshua need to hear as he was standing on the edge of going in to conquer the land that God had promised? He needed to hear these same words, didn't he? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, after Joshua crosses the Jordan, guess what? Guess who he meets? He meets the captain of the Lord of hosts, doesn't he? With sword drawn. And he's told the battle is the Lord's. So he needed to hear that. Do we need to hear that? Can you be strong in your own strength when it comes to fighting against principalities and powers and spiritual darkness, things you can't see, creatures that are far more powerful and smarter than you? Can play you like a violin, and has been do, has done so in the past. Have you? Are you aware of that? Be strong in the Lord. His ability. We read that in Isaiah. What they that wait upon the Lord? Literally, they exchange their strength for His. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. I can't in my own strength fight the war. Neither can you. Be strong in the Lord, just like Gideon. Remember when Gideon was, uh, when the uh, angel appeared to Gideon, oh, mighty man of valor, and Gideon's like, uh, who are you talking about? I'm hiding over here. God is the one that was strong, and God said to, to Gideon, I will fight your battles. As a matter of fact, you have too many soldiers when he went out, the, you need to go send 10,000 away and ended up with 300 to fight this massive army, because the battle is the Lord's. He can defeat with a few or with many. Think of Samson. The strength came from the Lord. David, Solomon, Hezekiah, all of these kings who were empowered by the Lord to gain great victories. We need to be aware of the grace of God, and it is the grace of God that enables us to overcome. So Paul does that. If you just want to look at a few verses, be strong in the Lord, look it back in chapter 1. Paul prays, verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Paul is grabbing all the Greek words that talk about power and said that's the power that God has for us and gives to us. Be strong in that in that power. Again, in chapter 3, in verse 16, he says it this way, that God would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Paul prayed for the Ephesians, prayed for us that we would be strengthened with might in the inner man. And again, like I said, Isaiah, we read those passages. Another one that I, I love this statement, it's in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. The people who, knew, who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God shall be strong. And carry out great exploits. Isn't that a passage you want to memorize and carry with you? Knowing God enables you to stand and fight, to be strong in the Lord. So Paul goes on to say Be strong in the Lord, have that ability that comes from God to stand, and put on the whole armor of God. Has he used this language of putting on like putting on clothing before in his letter yeah didn't he put on what put off the old man, put on the new man okay now he 's saying, put on the armor so you're clothed in the new man in Christ, and now you're called to put on the armor, put on the whole armor of God what is armor what was the armor for why did the and and probably remember Paul is in prison right now, and he's chained next to soldiers. And so he looks over at the soldiers. What are they wearing? Armor. So he starts to describe, in one sense, the armor of a Roman soldier. The breastplate of righteousness, or I should say the loins girded about with true breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the gospel of peace. We'll look at all of that in the coming weeks. But what is armor designed to do? It's designed to protect, right? Police officers, uh, do they wear bulletproof vests? Is that to hurt somebody? To protect themselves from being hurt. Is a breastplate of righteousness like a bulletproof vest at the time? Yeah, they use swords, and it protected your chest for your heart from, from that. So the whole armor of God was designed to protect us. And also some of the armor is actually, uh, equipment to do the work of a soldier. The loins girded about with truth. Where did you hang your sword? On the belt of truth. So you could draw the sword. You could have it available. So the armor was also there so that we could do God's calling. And notice the command. Not only be strong, but verse 11 put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the trickery of the devil. So now we're in that, we've entered that third section. The purpose of the armor of God is to stand, to hold the field with our Lord Jesus Christ, to stand with Jesus. Called to walk with him. But we're also called to stand in him and with him, in the warfare that we face. To stand, to hold the field. But notice what that says. Actually, four times it says that word stand. But notice, stand against what? Against the wiles of the devil. Hold the field against the trickery of the devil. And so my second point. First is prepare. Be strong in the Lord. Get, uh, look to Him for the grace to be able to do what God has called you and stand in the whole armor of God. As a matter of fact, in one sense, the whole armor is the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to summarize? He is our, He is the truth, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is our righteousness. He is the gospel. He is the word of God and on and on. He is. And so Paul will summarize it in another place. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So each of these pieces of armor, as we look at them, it's different aspects of Jesus. He is our captain. He is our armor. He is our strength. He is the victor. But we have to fight understand that. So the second is, beware, or be aware. Verses 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against, notice this, against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against Spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, beware. Who are we fighting? Who are you fighting? Are you aware that you are fighting? Are you? I remember one time I was sleeping and I woke up, it was three in the morning, and I was laying there and these thoughts came into my head. And one of the thoughts was, why don't you just go kill yourself? Where did that thought come from? That was bizarre. It it was not connected with anything. And I realized, oh, there's somebody else in bed with me besides my wife. The devil's right there whispering in my ear. Fiery dart. Are you aware of that? Are you aware that you're the enemy of your enemy? There is an enemy that hates you. If you belong to Jesus, you're his enemy. He hates Jesus, he hates you. And he doesn't sleep. Who are we fighting? Did Luther have that understanding? Of the open warfare. A mighty fortress, we're about to sing that. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. What's he talking about? Talking about warfare. And in it, he speaks of concerning the warfare. Can you imagine what it was like to be Martin Luther? He was attacked. There's one time where he actually takes the inkwell and throws it at across the room at the devil. Beware. Who are we fighting? What kind of warfare are we fighting? The subtle of the devil, the wiles of the devil, trickery, scheming craftiness, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Has any of you read C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters? If you read that book, it's all about manipulating, attacking a Christian Using subterfuge, trickery, all the different ways that the devil uses to overcome us. What is Satan's favorite tool? The wedge. Divide and conquer. Divide children from their parents. Youth, young people. Is that a temptation? To judge your parents, to hang out with your friends, to prefer your playmates to your parents. Do not listen to them. You know better. Husbands and wives, isn't that Satan's rule, goal? Separate, divide and conquer. Church members, leaders, employers, employees his most effective tool. He's been using it for thousands of years. He knows what works. Divide and conquer. Are you aware of that? Are you aware that he's whispering in your ear things to think about that will divide you from somebody else, from someone you love? Are you aware of that? When your thoughts are going, do you realize that there are fiery darts coming at you? Or are you blindly ignorant and and getting upset and everything else because... Well, that person really doesn't like me. Well, there's also somebody else in the room. Beware. In many ways, we are for those of you that like chess, there's a few of you that are really good chess players here. Life is like a chess game with the devil. but you can't see him, you don't see his moves. What does chess, what, to win in chess, you have to have a strategy. You have to have intelligence. You have to look for weaknesses. You use surprise. All of these things in a game, doesn't it? Or with wrestling. Pick on you, with wrestling, right? There is a strategy, right? You have to be, or, or you name the kind of game. I won't call it, I don't want to call the battle that we're facing a game, but it is in that sense. The devil plays for keeps, and he knows how to win. He's been winning for thousands of years. But he's also been losing at the cross and beyond. Jesus gave him that head-crushing. He's in the throes of death, but he's still about we must be aware. There is a those that have power. Notice what Paul says when he talks about Jesus. He talks about his authority in chapter 1, verse 21. He says um, he works in Christ, verse 20, uh, when he raised him from the dead, seated him in the right hand uh, in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might, And dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, which is, but also which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So Jesus has authority over all enemies. He has won, but yet they still have power. And so Paul will say, and, and we looked at that in chapter four, verse 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place to the devil. What he you saying there? Don't let the devil win. Don't give him space. Don't allow him to drive the wedge between you and someone else. Don't give place. Don't give in. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And part of that is awareness of his strategy, his intelligence, that he's attacking, that he uses surprise, and on and on. Be aware. We're at war. If you don't like what I'm saying, tough. It's the truth. Beware or fall. Fall. Beware or fall. My third point. Take up or put on that whole armor of God and stand. That's the goal. You are called to trust in Christ and in the power of his might and to take up his armor, ultimately Christ himself. Again, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and makes no provision for the flesh. So don't give place to the devil and don't let the flesh rule. What, is, what does Paul say in Galatians? The flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to we to one another so that we don't do what we should. So we are to put on the spirit. Take up the whole armor, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and stand against God's enemies and their strategies. Christ is already one. The victory at the cross. We need to remember that. Okay? When you are overcome, when you are weary, when you are uh, confused, remember Christ is one. The head was crushed. God, Christ dealt with Satan a head crushing, a mortal blow. Okay. It is finished. Not only is the debt paid, but it is finished. I won. We're still dealing with the with the outworking of that in this life. To glorify God. Christ has already won the victory. We are called to press forward. Jesus himself says, the gates of hell, anybody can quote the rest of it, the gates of hell shall not prevail against what? The church. What are gates in that time? Were they offensive or defensive? Gates were defensive. The gates of hell, hell's on the defensive, will not prevail from the onslaught of the church breaking through the gates of hell. Do you see that? Jesus said, the church wins. The church, the devil and the gates of hell will not prevail. You hear that? Who's on the offense? We are. It's hard to think that when we're being attacked, though. Press forward. Be aware. Christ has won is winning and will win in the end. Notice also, stand in the evil day. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Do You think that's important? He said, "If four times is it important? Yes, stand your ground. We are in the days of evil." Ephesians chapter five, verse sixteen. He's already mentioned this. There's a short time left compared to eternity. Yeah, it's been two thousand years since Christ uh, since Christ left, and He's coming back by the grace of God. He hasn't returned before then. Otherwise, you and I wouldn't be here, right? But he delayed grace. But it's a short time when you compare that to eternity. With etern- In eternity waits the victors. And so these are evil days, days of warfare. They are unavoidable. Uh, Paul writes it this way Our momentary light affliction cannot be compared to the eternal weight of. Isn't that an amazing statement? Well, I don't know about you, uh, God, my afflictions don't seem momentary, and they don't seem very light. But in relations to eternity, the weight of glory. You want to read a good book, read C.S. Lewis's book, The Weight of Glory. He talks about that. We can't even begin to comprehend what it's going to be like in eternity. With Jesus. The momentary light afflictions cannot be compared to the eternal weight of glory in Christ. And so to summarize, if I were to say one word, if I were to ask you later what is the sermon about, in one word, it would be anybody pick it up? One word, command. One word. Stand. Stand stand, stand. He says it four times. It's important to him. We are seated in Christ. We are walking with Christ. And now we are called to stand in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you and we do know that greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world. At the same point in time, we know that the warfare is greater than we can, we can. We can't do it in ourselves. We are outmatched by the wiles of the devil. And yet you are greater. So we pray that you would enable us. Give us that strength that you command. Be strong in the Lord. You said it to Joshua, and you called us to do the same. Help us to stand in Jesus. Put on Jesus. Put on the whole armor of God. Be aware of Prepare, be aware, and stand. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.